Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. We sing that song, Break Every Chain, and, and I just want to kind of walk through just a few thoughts to kind of just help, you know, I feel like, you know, um, that we can just kind of t- take a moment and kind of unpack some, some thoughts here. Um, there are chains of bondage that we know and we don't know. It, it, this is the truth. I mean, the heaviness. When we, when we say change, we mean heaviness. Well, what is that heaviness? That heaviness can be a known sin. I mean, that's not a word that our culture really wants to talk about. Yeah. But, but then there's also ignorances that we're, we're not really trying to sin. We just don't know the truth. And so in our own life, there can be a chain of insecurity. There can be a chain, like I really feel compelled to like invite a coworker to church, but I, 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 for some reason, there's this heaviness on me to do that. And so, um, you know, it's funny how the church, we, we get so mad at some of the, 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 the current laws or the conditions of our society, but yet um, we want someone to legislate righteousness but we don't want to walk across the Walmart aisle and be a Christian. And so I think that a lot of times we perpetuate this, it's not me, it's them. It's not me, it's Washington. It's not me, it's political people. It's not me, it's bosses. It's not me, it's this. But, but here's the thing is there can be chains in our life. And, and so we, we serve God really strong in church but we really don't know how to take that further where we begin to see our home as a mission field. And so we want to open up our home for, for kids' friends to come over and, and, and experience something life-giving that will lead to a moment. See, we, see the, the one thing about, like, you know, as I get older, I realize that change doesn't happen fast. It's slow. And we've gotten to this point in America slow. They, they, they put people who have, a, you know, just, uh, and, and the Bible talks about that people are darkened in their own mind. They don't even know. I believe it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. But you get there by degrees. You get there by little by little by little by little by little. And then all of a sudden we wake up and we're, we're actually debating uh, gender. You know, I'm not trying to be political. We're just we're, de- we're actually debating what is a man and what is a woman in our society today. We're debating if, if um, with all the technology, now this is how you know it's not just one ideology versus another. It's spiritual because now, you know, we have the ability to look inside of a womb where we didn't 35 years ago. And we can see the seed of life beginning. But yet, the arguments out even weigh the science now. Before it was the science. Now it's just the argument. And so what happens is we, we drift by degrees. So how do we come back? How do we come back? And, and it, you know, uh, 
it's weird because now you can't talk about biblical truth without everybody like feeling like it's political. But let's just look at our, is there more honor in our society? When, when we talk about races, is there more honor with people? You know, what there's civil discord is like uh, something of the past. You can't have civil discord because now our concept as a culture is if you don't agree with me, you hate me. Well, I mean, have some kids. All I'm telling you is, you know, you can't have that candy right now. <laughs> I don't hate you. I don't want to pay the dental bill. Come on, baby. I mean, it's all, I mean, but it's like the practical thoughts of life have eroded, and now it's policy over heart, it's agendas. Our church and um, church as a culture is is we're 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 a very intimidated people, and you have to ask yourself, okay, why, why? And I think that there's so much shame in the body because of sin um, that we don't understand how we've been redeemed. We don't understand that we can repent. And we don't know that we can move forward in righteousness. And so how can we say anything because we have a past? How can we do anything because... And I'm not talking about judgment. Judgment is reserved for God. So you're not hearing me say judge people. I'm saying lead. Love people. Care about them. Care about them. And so, um, man, I, I want to talk today a little bit. And I, I got announcements. I got stuff I got to talk about. But um, I hope you're doing well. But so, so here is the context and the premise of the conversation today: is uh, how's your soul? What is the condition of your soul right now, today? Are you far from God? Are you close to God? Are you mad at God? Are you tolerating God? Are you rebelling from God? Are you um, waiting on God? I mean, like, what is the condition of your, of your soul? And if you would be just 100%, if we could just be real, like 100, where, where are you? Are you serving God because of what you think He's going to do in your life? A lot of people do that in church. They're just they're naive to the fact that it's not about where we're going. It's only about Him. Yeah. And He is the author and finisher of our faith, and it's not what He makes you. It's just your ability to serve Him. And so all of those other things are like a byproduct of, of cleaning you up. Do you know what I'm saying? It's his testimony. You're not leveraging God to make you better. Does that make sense? And so there's a lot of, even, even amongst good church people, we can have a lot of worldviews that are just like wrong. You know, for every young person here, when I say young person under 20, and let's say you've grown up in church, you're homeschool, you you're go to public school, I don't care where you go, but... Are you 
a better attender than you are seeker of the Lord? It's very easy to grow up in a churchy environment. But you know the weird thing about parents and kids is most of us parents, we already know the world don't work. We've already snorted it, tried it, did it. You know what I'm saying? And, and we're like, oh, heck no, you going to church. And so, and so what happens is there's this demand versus desire happening in our homes where now the adults have the desire, but there's this demand for our kids, you're going to be here. And we think that the demand is enough, but it's not. Every person will have to bow. Every person will have to come to Jesus. Everyone will have to go, you know what? All right, just because, you, come on, come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like we went and what? I don't know if that's the best way. Let me go try it myself. Oh, okay. That don't work. It don't work looking over your shoulder. and what? It don't, it don't, it don't work. That's my phone. Don't look. <laughs> Who's calling me? That just don't work. You're always looking over your shoulder. That don't work. But our kids may think, I bet you it works. It don't work. But you're going to have to make a choice for yourself who you're going to serve. You're going to have to make that choice. How's the condition of your soul? When's the last time, church, listen, you detoxed in the presence of the Lord? I want, to, I want to be a, a, a theology-based church where we learn and grow and develop. But we also have to be a presence-based church. And so if it's all logical, then what happens is we will puff up ourselves because of the knowledge we understand. And we will think that knowledge alone will, will change you. It doesn't. Come on, knowledge does not change anything. It's spiritual. Listen to what I'm saying. It's spiritual. I, I remember Red red Ribbon Week. I was going to say it fast and I was going to mess it up. Come on. Anybody remember Red R Ribbon Week in school? Come on. And I remember, dude, I remember being in the fourth grade watching a video of this woman who had a, a voice. And we all my friends, like we made blood covenants because that was what you did. And we were like, we are never going to smoke because. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened in high school? All of a sudden, I'm going to school and all my friends are on the block. And, I, and they're like, hey. <laughs> And I'm like, you remember? <laughs> it's coming for you. <laughs> come on, all of us have, 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 have seen someone texting and driving. And, and, and come on, it, knowledge does not save you. Knowledge just makes you think you know. And it gives you the ability to live in excuses. Does that make sense? I know enough to know better, and so I know myself. So I know when I can do a little bit of this and not. And I know when I can, come on, come on. I, I know when I can speed, and I know when I can't. I, knowledge just makes you better at trying to cheat the system. But it doesn't change your heart. It doesn't. 
It doesn't change, listen to what I'm saying, your heart. And so, yeah, we have to have knowledge because without that, we'll be ignorant to some schemes of the enemy and, and some blessings that God wants us to walk in. And, and so we have to have knowledge, but we also have to have experience. And, 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 and I guess today is I, I want to teach you something that has to be an experience. And that's a, that's a, that's a, I know it's like an oxymoron, um, but, but I'm going to frame up this idea that then has to move to experience or your life will go through the same struggles and the same battles and you'll go around the same mountain time and time again and you'll be a little better, but you'll find yourself back in a place that God wants you to be healed from. Is, is, does that make sense? So I'm kind of setting the premise of what we're going to talk about. And so you're going to have to catch it rather than be taught it. And, and, and I believe that if you do, I, I believe that you will uh, gain a spiritual discipline that you will use many times and it will free you. To free you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. God, I thank you for every life represented for the, for the first time guests, to those that have been here many times. God, that they would find that your love is overwhelming, that your truth is undeniable, and that you are good. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. You know, here's the thing is over the last couple weeks, we have gone through this sermon called a sermon series called Gains. Gains. And, and I don't want to recap all of this but um, and, and re-preach every message, but I just kind of want to kind of frame up some of the things that we've talked about. Um, we use the word gains because that's a social word that people are using to gain uh, money, wealth, uh, muscles, uh, go hitting the gym, hashtag gains. But, but I, as we've gone through that, we've talked about ways to make spiritual gains. The first one was... Uh, that if you're going to make spiritual games, you're going to have to hope again. You're going to have to believe that God wants to do something bigger than where you're currently at right now. You're going to have to have hope. We talked about uh, our next week. We talked about pushing through discouragement. We all get discouraged. We all have ideas and, and, and invisible timelines that we thought this was going to happen at this point in time. And it's very easy to get discouraged. Then we had our three-year celebration. And, and we were our, uh, celebrated our three years, at, three years as a church. And, and that was very, very exciting. Absolutely. And, and we... we uh, talked about how we're moving locations and April the 7th will be our first service come on in the new building and, and, and we talked about more is coming and the idea of that sermon was the fact that if you're going to do more you're going to have to leave where you're at and and so more requires a little bit of being uncomfortable and then last week Adam did a great job and talked about community and how you're never going to make real lasting gains if you're doing it by yourself if you're alone you got to have somebody come on in your corner that's life-giving going to coffee texting you checking on you and you've you've got to make yourself available for that, okay? And, and so we've been walking through this gains. And um, honestly, I felt pretty good about the series. Um, I went to Colorado, and, and um, I blew it. I blew it. 
I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I was, I went there and I was asked to come and man, I was feeling, I, you know how you just feel yourself? You're just like, you're like, I'm winning. Church is winning. Uh, we, we just came through this wreck in, in May and man, it was awesome. And I mean, it was terrible, but then now God is moving it into awesome. You know, we, we, we're, we're building a home. The church is growing. You know, I, I feel like I know some things. And so I went down there ready to tell everybody what I knew. And it, it wasn't the time for that. And I, I, I missed it. I, I went down there. Here's what you need to hear. And finally, one of my friends sat me down and just said, man, you know what? You know a lot. You're growing. It's good. But we just needed you to listen. And I was like, I don't do that that well. <laughs> I mean, come, come back. What are you talking about? I, yeah, don't you want me to tell you everything I know? Because I'm really good at that. And uh, man, I, I mean, it, it like, it like got me. And, um, I, and, I, and I started thinking about this. And, and, um, and on the plane, I started to contemplate a little bit. And have you ever had a moment where you were like, Oh, that's dumb. Come on, anybody? Like, like, uh, don't let me be the only transparent person in the room. Come on. Y'all lying in church. <laughs> and it wasn't anything majorly wrong. It was just an indication that my heart wasn't as soft as I wanted it to be. My, that my heart, come on, does that make sense? Wasn't as soft. And so here I am doing all the right things. Does that make sense? And so I, I, there's nothing that I'm doing that's wrong. It's just, um, it, it, it just kind of moves into a little bit of pride. And I believe that if you're going to make huge gains in your life, um, I believe that we need to understand the value of repentance. There's a lot of things that you're going to do to, to, to grow in your life. But if you don't know the value of repentance, then, then what will happen is you will be shackled and you will never be able to move forward even though you have great content, even though you know great verses. Come on, even though you understand church and church community and there's a value and, and, and God gave us the gift of repentance so that we could, listen, leave shame and guilt and frustration behind because the one thing that God wants is a soft heart. Everybody wants to know, okay, what part of gains, what part is it, is it will really cause me to increase the best? Is it the diet? Is it weights? Is it cardio? Is it supplements? Is it, you know, which is the thing that causes me to do less of all the other? And if I just do this, it'll make the biggest impact. And, and, and the truth is, I think if we were going to look spiritually, I think the biggest thing that could cause you to have the biggest impact in your life and really make spiritual gains in your life is if you can learn the value of repentance. And so I want to talk about four ways repentance helps us with spiritual gains. Four ways that repentance helps us with spiritual gains. The first one is this. It produces a lifestyle of humility and honesty. It produces a lifestyle of humility and honesty. Look at James chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Come on, and we're going to read a few um, Bible verses that may not be on your fridge, okay? 
These may not be the ones that you tattooed to your, you know, uh, wrist, but, but they're good nonetheless. It's okay. Let's look at these. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your, hand, you hand, your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Listen, here's this idea, is that the Bible is written to the believer, and there are days that you're going to be double-minded. There are days you don't want to come to church. There are days I don't want to go to life group. There are days I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray. Your Bible app opens up, and you're like, no. I don't know why I feel this emotion, but I don't want to read you right now. And you can know you need to. Come on. But you don't want to because your heart is somewhere else. I'm too busy. My schedule, my life. Come on. It's very easy. Look at this. Be, look at this. Look at this. Weep. Mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Come on, we all have this insatiable desire to be exalted. We all want to win. We all want to be first. We all want to be known for what we've accomplished. But the Bible says that if you will draw near to God and humble yourself, He is the one that will lift you up. And listen to this, if He lifts you up, nobody else can tear you down. But if people lift you up, then people can tear you down. If the media makes you, the media can break you. If the boss makes you, come on, the boss can break you. But if through humility, God begins to lift you up, well, then nobody can tear that down. Nobody can tear that down. As we look at this, church, it's easy to live a life that's not honest. It's easy. We can believe in prayer. We can believe in connection of God. We can believe in reading the Bible. We can, we, but we can allow sin to linger and have effects on us. And it hurts humility. It hurts. You see, for prayer to take place, humility is required. You won't pray if you're ashamed. You won't pray if you're prideful. You won't pray if you're burdened. You won't pray if you're heavy with sin. God gives us the gift of repentance so that we continue in the work of freedom. So that we can be free. Humble people are repentant people. And I believe that's why we see so much in our culture that, that we see all of these plans that are rising against God's purpose as a nation. We, we are standing against the natural order of family. As a nation, we are standing against male and female, which God created. As a nation, we are standing against the value of life. As a nation, we celebrate adultery on every TV show. Listen to what I'm saying. Now, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just assessing. As a nation, we don't want to honor anybody. We don't want to honor anybody. If someone does something well, we don't want to honor them. We don't want to brag on them. We don't want to tell them good job. We want, if we tell them good, then we, what about us? What about us? New York is the business capital of the world. Los Angeles is the entertainment center of the world. Washington, D.C. is the nation's political hub. All three of these cities need prayer. They're leading America. Church, 
We're going to have to pray for pastors and ministry in that area because here's the deal. Everybody wants revival, but they want revival to sweep them into this sensation of God showing up and doing incredible things. But revival always starts individually with your heart and your condition and your repentance and your abstinence and your, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this so that I have a soft and contrite heart. It's very easy for us to point the finger and go, we want them to change. But what about us? What about Northwest Arkansas? Are we praying for our teachers? Do we love the unlovely? Or we want revival to happen in us? Do we feel like that we are God's tool to see the kingdom of God come about in this city? Come on, help me now. Is this good? Come on, help me. Listen, why does repentance produce humility and honesty? It acknowledges that we're sinners. See, having a true sense of your own guilt and sinfulness, acknowledging that you are helpless and you need forgiveness from God. Come on, listen. Having faith in God's mercy and in Christ, repentance takes the step toward hating sin. Turning from sin. Serve God. Listen. Being persistent in a holy life. Walking with the Lord. And, and, and trying to, and I'm not talking about the law. I'm not talking about Overperformance. I'm not talking about that. Please under, misunderstand. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about the ability to rid ourselves of things that put us in bondage. Does that make sense? Number two is this: it opens up us to healing and refreshing. Healing and refreshing. Look at Acts chapter three, verse eighteen through twenty. It says, "But what God." foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer and thus fulfilled. Listen, therefore repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Christ appointed to you, Jesus. Here's this idea. I believe there are people in this room that love the Lord. They love church. They love this church. They love their life group. You love your life, but you are not refreshed. You're not refreshed. House family, can I tell you that it is so easy for us to try to work on the external things, but it's the inward thing. The, the, the heart can't be hard and crusty and dry. There's got to be some refreshing that happens, and that happens when we repent. When we take the time to lay down our pride and selfishness. You see, when God is in authority, listen, times of refreshing come. When God is in authority and we are submitted to Him, times of refreshing come. Isaiah 51 verse 3 says, For the Lord comforts Zion. Listen to this. He comforts her waste places and makes her wilderness life eaten. 
Her desert like the garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found and there will be thanksgiving and, and, and voices and song. In other words, what's, what's, what's trash, God creates life. What's desert, God makes a garden. There's this idea, well, what was the city? The city of Zion was the, the, the first major conquest mountain that David took. It was a fortified city. David went and he, he um, named this fortress the city of David. And that is where he ruled from. And he also put the tabernacle there. He laid the ark there. And that was known as Mount Zion and it, the city of God. And here was the concept is that when you surrender to me territory in your life, Come on, somebody, listen to what I'm saying. You will flourish and thrive. But if the enemy takes that territory, come on, listen to what I'm saying, then you will not thrive the way I have intended for you to thrive. As we look through this, are you, are you refreshed? When you come to church, are you refreshed? Is there this moment where God is healing you and doing something in your life and you're able to get all of that junk from last weekend, all that junk from last week, all of the toxic thoughts, the unforgiveness, jealousy, insecurity, complaining, all of the things going on in your heart. Come on, you cannot thrive with all of that living in here. The third is this. It releases growth in a thriving relationship. When we repent, we begin to grow. We begin to thrive. We begin to thrive. Luke chapter 18, verse 10 through 14 says this. Look at this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, <laughs> I thank you that I'm not like other men. <laughs> I thank you that I'm not like these guys who are adulterers and unjust and, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give my tithes. I give everything. Look at this. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus talking. This man went down to the house justified rather than the other. Look at this. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself, come on, listen to this, will be exalted. What, what does this mean? Come on. Okay, let me get into the churchy world a little bit. We can even read this verse and go, God, I think you're like, I'm not one of those Pharisees <laughs> that judge the other people. Before we know it, we can be those people. Well, I thank you I'm not this, or I thank you I'm not that. I'm thank you. Here was the issue. The issue was not about judgment. This, this text is not about judgment. The issue was this man was doing all the right things. Jesus wasn't coming against what he did. He was coming against the fact that what he did made himself righteous. We want you to do life groups. We want you to tithe. We want you to give. But all of that stuff is just stuff. Your heart. 
is the most important thing. And here's what the difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee was. The big difference was the tax collector understood that he had no claim, no right to be righteous but Jesus. He had offended the law of God. He needed mercy. And there was no sacrifice or restitution that could help him. Come on, get mercy. Church, listen, it's not in our due. I love that you're on the dream team. I love that you come and serve. I love that you're doing all the things that you're doing, but, but it ain't that. I love it that you listen to KLR, whatever, uh, 90.1. I, loved, I love that your favorite songs are Christian jams. I love that. But it ain't that. Come on. It ain't that. Here is the thing that I want us to see is that we all have a strong desire to find out who's in and who's out. And we can even do that in church. Oh. <laughs> I would rather sit on this side because I don't know if I want to be around them. And it doesn't matter who it is. Here's what I'm telling you is that we don't want to be a church that's us and them. We have all come to the knowledge that Jesus is it for us. And he is the one, come on, that takes our mourning and makes gladness. He is the one that we can, you can tell the dark, come on, the dirty, dirty. The darky, darky. you you can tell him that and he will never listen to this go <gasps> you dirty little you can just tell him and and here's what will happen is as you vomit the, as you come on have you ever just like had a moment where you just like went there on a conversation you were like you were like i feel so much better and then the person's like Thank you for that. You know, like, like they're ready to go like drive off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? It's like you feel better, they feel terrible. God's not like that. God's like, give me what's going on. You're frustrated. You never wanted this to happen. You didn't know about this. This wasn't your plan. You never intended for this to happen. I get all that. Stop carrying that. Repent. Repent. Let that out and leave free. And come on, refreshed and thrive. I didn't want to talk to my wife that way. I didn't want to act that way. I didn't want to do that with my boss. I didn't want to take that business deal. I knew I cut corner here. I don't want to act that way. Oh, now I'm under it. And I'm constantly feeling like I'm not good enough. You don't have to hold that. You don't have to keep that. Does this make sense? A hard heart will never be free. God desires that you become soft. soft not weak. Soft. There's a difference. We're not talking about weakness. We're talking about moldable. Come on, listen to me. Number four, the last one is this. When we repent, it is a powerful weapon against the schemes of the enemy. 
When we repent, it, 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 it's a powerful weapon against the schemes of the enemy. Listen to this. In Revelation 12.10, listen to this. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. Do you know that the enemy comes and accuses you every night and day. Every night and day. No, no you don't really know Courtney. You, you don't really know Mike. You don't really, you don't, you don't really know Jermaine. Let me tell you what he did this last week. Come on, does that make sense? Come on, help me. Help me. You, you, you don't really know Randell. You don't really know Stephen. You don't really know... Ben, ben. Can I talk to you a little bit about Ben? Let me tell you about him. Uh, you don't really know about William. Ginger, you think she's perfect. Let me tell you about Ginger. She pretty much is. You know what I'm saying? Listen, listen. There was nothing. No, just kidding. Listen, you think you know how? Come on, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you a little bit about Eric. Let me tell you about Tandy. Come on, let me tell you about Danelle. Let me tell you about Ken. Let me tell you about Sarah. Every night and every day, he accuses you. But Jesus is there praying for you. Interceding on your behalf that you would not fall, that you would not quit, that you would not come under it, that you would not feel so much shame that you turn your back on the Lord, that you don't just kind of come to church and kind of just go through the motions, that you are refreshed and you are only refreshed when you become authentic. God, I repent. I repent, and it may be it may be dark, dark, dirty sin, or it may just be a, being oblivious. I repent. My tone, my attitude, my thoughts, my life, my actions, my frustrations. My lack of faith in you. See, here's the thing. When you repent, what it does is repentance and faith are twins. Repentance will always unleash faith in your life. Because as you give it up, you have the faith to believe that God will take you out. Come on. Here's the thing. When we repent, shame has no place to hinder us. Repentance. The Bible commands it. Our wickedness refuses it. Justice requires it. Christ preached it. God expects it. And God commands everyone, everywhere to repent. Repent. The enemy is banking on the fact that you will not accept blame for your sin and it will be somebody else's fault. Come on. We got to be a body that repents. Let me just tell you, repentance is not penance. God isn't looking for you to voluntarily sign up for punishment. 
That's not God. The enemy will tell you you need to pay. You tell him Jesus already did. Come on, does that make sense? The enemy will tell you you need to pay for that. You say, Jesus already paid that debt. I'm going to accept that debt. Come on, and I'm going to let that thing go. And I'm going to be refreshed. Come on, somebody, is this good? Okay. Repentance is not remorse only. Remorse isn't true repentance. Anyone can feel bad for what was said and done. Judas had remorse. Judas had remorse. He hated what he did to Jesus. But that remorse did not lead him to restoration. It led him to kill himself under the lie and shame that how could he have done all this as a believer? We don't want people to have affairs here. We don't want people to embezzle money here. We don't want people to turn their back on God here. But if you do, we're not waiting to kick you out. We want to let you know that you can repent. And what was broken can be alive. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. God can do something if you will humble your heart and just repent. Okay, repent. That's it. That's it. Does it make sense? I believe for us to go to the next level in our gains, we're going to have to take a moment and we're going to have to repent. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.